Well, it's still you. Hi, this is Leah Wall. This is the Trading Bitcoin Show with Tone Vase, and we're here with Tyler Jenks of Hyperwave. It's going to be a, well, hope, I don't know if it's a fun one. There's some, you know, definite, it's the bulls are growling, sorry, the bears are growling in the market today, but uh, we're going to have the two experts go at it and discuss from their different perspectives what's going on and what they're seeing. So, Tone? Awesome. Thanks, Leah, for uh, kicking us off here. And uh, I'm going to flip to, oh, wait, something is off here. I'm going to flip to all panelists view. Uh, not sure what happened there. Here we go. Uh, so you can see all of us. Hey, guys, I am back from the woods. I got a few funny, uh, few funny stories real quick before we start. Uh, but go ahead and say hi, Tyler. Hello, everybody. Uh, great to uh, be with Tone and Leah again. Very interesting day today and i think you'll all find it fascinating yeah so so those that have been watching me all day today i mean the the morning started off with uh melia and uh and giacomo as usual immediately after that i was on uh somebody else's channel uh jason i'm sorry like it's just been a crazy day uh talking about re uh rehashing the whole steam it nonsense i don't know uh, I mean, I kind of gave up talking about Steemit. I, I wrote that off as a scam and anyone still using it just wants to be scammed. After that, I attempted to set up my new miner and uh, people found that video hilarious, probably because at one point they thought I was going to electrocute myself, uh, which was probably, uh, probabilistically what probably should have happened. <laughs> I definitely did not handle uh, that correctly. But uh, anyway... So I attempted to set up my new miner, the Avalon uh, A21. I just, uh, it was a fail. I did not get it set up. Uh, I did not have enough time uh, to do everything. I thought it should have started running. It's possible that I needed to connect to the controller and I had to, you know, uh, but I already forgotten how to do that, how to pull up the settings of the controller. It's possible that there's some kind of a setting that it, this, the controller didn't recognize the new miner. Uh, so I actually don't know what's going on. Unfortunately, I will not be back at that trailer for potentially uh, at least three weeks, possibly six, possibly more. Uh, and again, this is the problem. And it took me like over two hours to drive there, over two hours to drive back, multiple videos while there. Needless to say, I have barely looked at the price action at all. And I just got home like 10 minutes ago. Ironically, I was on somebody else's YouTube channel um, doing a video as like the crypto expert about steam it in the trailer in the middle of the winter in like a jacket so all of his followers are like all right th th this is the best guy you found to talk <laughs> right <laughs> so, okay, living in the middle of a trailer in the woods right because they, they don't know that that was like literally like uh, uh not, not not how i normally live uh i normally live a lot worse out of a suitcase traveling to the world but in any case, let, let's get to the price. Um, I don't know, where should we start, Tyler? Should I just do my outlook like I usually do? Because I see us making new lows and everyone... Um, yeah, I think that curious. makes a lot of sense. Um, people heard uh, Leah and I today say that it uh, does not look good to hold the phase three line uh, going into Sunday night. And then... Uh, you mentioned to me earlier, uh, we had talked about GBTC today breaking down below its phase two trend line 
and today it closed the week because tomorrow is a holiday. So for all of those reasons, going into this weekend looked like it was going to be uh, uh, pretty interesting. So I think everybody's very interested in uh, uh, what you're thinking about this 6840 that we're sitting at right now. Yeah, actually, like when I was uh, coming home, we were still we were up at like 7,200 area, 7,150. I didn't even realize it has dropped like $300 in the last, you know, 45 minutes while we were all texting with each other to set this up. Yeah. Um, so let's go immediately to the charts. Um, I'm going to open up my charts and then we'll take a look at your hyperwave view. Um, here's my weekly chart. I mean... The weekly chart just looks absolutely terrible to me, but it's still Thursday. I mean, I I got caught on this thing uh, a few weeks ago, uh, giving up on for, on Sunday, and then it rallies Sunday evening. So of course, anything can happen this week. But as traders, like this is my last data point. My last data point is six thousand eight hundred and ninety. So unless um, the unless some kind of a support point is immediately at this point, I have to assume that this is where Sunday is going to close because I don't want to make a projection that we're going to close lower or higher because I do have a support point um, right nearby at the 50-week moving average at 65.70, and it can bounce off of that point if it makes it to the 50-week moving average before Sunday or it can close right at that point if it gets there around Sunday. But right now, the only assumption I can make is that the end of week close is going to be exactly at the current price of eighty uh, of sixty eight fifty. So the, my weekly chart went bearish um, as of eight thousand uh, one hundred area based on the sequential system, uh, and uh, that's when the current candle started trading below last week's candle. The daily chart has just flipped over, which is why I wanted to do this show right in the vicinity of 8 p.m. Eastern time because the candle flipped over. We are now at this point. I mean, look, um, I when we were falling uh, to uh, 7,200 or even like back when we were falling to 7,500 on March 18th, that Sunday... I had already given up on both uh, Hyperwave uh, holding a level three, phase three, and also, you know, the triangle holding, the, the, the trend line support, which is actually around the same as the Hyperwave line. And uh, like, I've already given up on Bitcoin at that point. And the fact that we bounced all the way back and then bounced all the way to 9,200 never changed my view that Bitcoin was going to go significantly lower. I remain calling it a dead cat bounce. That's why I drew uh, a candle into the moving average and then down to the trend line. And then I left my other arrows down. So um, uh, like, like here, here's the worst part about this, unfortunately. I don't have any, I don't, there's not going to be any good news here, guys. Um, here's the worst part. When we were breaking down, that day uh, of March 18th, uh, the projection that I had for the future of Bitcoin 
was actually higher than where we're sitting right now. And I did not factor in us ever going uh, above 8,000 again for the foreseeable future. So, uh, and uh, right now I expected us to still be a little bit higher. So the, I, this is like in my mind, this is absolutely terrible news. Um, the only silver lining I can give you guys is that in 72 hours, uh, Bitcoin will hit a sequential nine, giving you a one to four candle correction. But it just doesn't feel like it's going to be a reversal nine. But anything can happen. You know, we got to see the candlesticks. I Like I, I, I explained on my show the other night, most important thing is candlesticks. Uh, and I can usually guess the volume off of a candlestick. Uh, because it comes it, 90% of the time, it comes with the volume that the candlestick uh, expects uh, based on how the candlestick looks. And um, the second most important thing is chart patterns. Uh, and for me anyway, and the third most important thing for me is the random number generator. So uh, right now we're on a seven. Uh, the candle has just started. I am expecting a nine. Now that nine could be higher than our current price. You know, as long as uh, as long as the ninth candle in this downtrend closes below uh, seven thousand nine hundred, we're gonna get a nine. So uh, the chances of not getting a nine are small. What kind of nine that's going to be? We don't know yet. Uh, briefly glancing at lower time frames, here is the twelve-hour chart. The twelve-hour chart gave you a beautiful trade to the short side at 77.50. And we are now at 68.55. I talked about this line the last uh, two or three videos. The four hour chart also gave you an absolute perfect short trade at 7,800 with a red two below a red one. And this is what I mean. You could have sat uh, and done nothing for the last four days waiting for this perfect trade where every single time frame just lined up beautifully for a short trade. And as you can see, my projection on the four-hour chart from uh, you know uh, yesterday has already gone way beyond, uh, way worse than I expected it to go. Now, the four-hour chart can give you a little bit of a re relief rally uh, in about... 12 hours okay and that means that the 12 but the 12 hour chart remains bearish so keep that in mind and finally the one hour chart uh is on a six of nine with a seven and a countdown uh with a one-off uh but yeah the one hour chart is just completely bearish um so my outlook is totally bearish um, I guess let's get Tyler's outlook right now based on his experience and models. And then, uh, and, and then we can talk about the general environment. Uh, let me uh, stop my screen share. Uh, how am I going to do that? Oh, there it is. Um, also, then, everybody, ahead, everybody, I'm doing QA. So if you start asking questions, I'm here to watch them. Yeah, Leah, Leah has the free reign to interrupt us and uh, ask good questions. Great. What uh, I will pull up is uh, I will pull up a series of um, charts starting with 
the hyperwave chart and earlier today you uh if you were listening you heard me say that um we have now had one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve tests going back to uh the uh summer of last year along this phase three line. Um, and we have been pleasantly surprised at uh, the last three in which the phase three line was broken and then we reversed and closed above it. The most dramatic one, of course, was this week, which was uh, February the 4th, where we broke well below it and uh, it kept it exciting during the last couple of hours as it raced way up. It wasn't too bad a couple of weeks ago. I had given up uh, on it pretty much, but in the last uh, 45 to 90 minutes, it went back up above. This time is different. It's different for two reasons in my mind. Number one, because the open high-low close of this candle are all at or below the line. And any bounce along the way, and there have been several, uh, didn't do a thing. Um, a secondary thing, and I'll bring it up in just a second, is GBTC. I haven't been able to... Um, understand how this could be a phase three line for Bitcoin, but GBTC clearly never got above a phase two line. And then earlier today, GBTC broke that phase two line to the downside. And uh, yesterday, Lee and I showed 10 different cryptocurrencies by market cap size, um, the 10 top cryptos, all of which were basically in phase twos and all of which were breaking down below those phase twos. So then I come back to Bitcoin and I say, what is the probability that by Sunday night at eight o'clock, this candle is going to be able to reverse with all this negativity in the entire space. And I came to the conclusion that uh, it would very probably not. So for everybody to take whatever defensive positions they need to, because now, even before Sunday, my target is right here around 3,990. 3990 to 39.95 um, this week. Uh, and then it is going to be moving up at just about 70, 70 points per week. But um, I, uh, like uh, Tone, see no support under this phase three line on a significant basis other than. Um, a moving average, a Fibonacci number, but uh, 
if we do close anywhere near where Tone thinks we probably will by Sunday, um, I think it will be fairly short order uh, before we find ourselves uh, down another three or 4,000 points. Now, this is the chart that um, has bugged me for so long. This is GBTC. Tyler, quick question. Yeah, to, please. Uh, given that you were recently speaking about altcoins and then also specifically that, as you mentioned, we, I think it was two vlogs ago, spoke about and charted the other altcoins. So the question from the live chat is, Ethereum and Bitcoin cat be cash are looking like they're going to collapse. They fell way more than Bitcoin on the last daily candle. Ethereum fell below 400, which was the old, old all-time high before the crash in the summer. Um, do you see them? It's pretty much an open-ended question. I see it as more Yeah, but I, I, I hear what the questioners are saying. And yeah. uh, I, I have not had good news in the past for cryptos in general relative to BTC, but it's even worse now. Um, none of the other cryptos, first of all, they haven't been around long enough for me to really say any of them are in hyperwaves. I'm using the term of phase two, but everybody knows that I say that until something enters a phase three, it cannot be called a hyperwave because in phase two, only one out of four will develop into a hyperwave. So it's a little misleading to even talk about hyperwaves with any of the other cryptos. Even the ones that have been around for four or five or six years uh, have not done anything more than what you see on this GBTC chart. But having said that, they are breaking down below their uh, phase twos without ever getting up to a phase three. And what that means is the phase two lines were not permanent and we're going back down to where the phase ones ended. And in almost cases, we're talking nickels and dimes on almost all of the other coins. But the GBTC one is the most curious because it's made up of only one asset, which is Bitcoin. And it's true, it can trade way above the Bitcoin net asset value. And in some rare cases at or slightly below that asset value. But in that case, you would think it would have gone into a phase three and a phase four, like apparently Bitcoin did, but it did not. This is the entire chart from the beginning of GBTC. And you'll see as it started up this uh, phase line, uh, there were four separate times that it broke that line, similar to what we saw on Bitcoin until this week. Now, maybe because we are ending a day short, we're giving short shrift to uh, GBTC, but it did close below my phase line. It is the end of the week. So um, I think uh, everybody understands that I use GBTC in retirement accounts as opposed to Bitcoin that can't be put into retirement accounts. And I, as of today, have zero holdings in GBTC, whereas prior to today, I had one quarter of my target 
for a client in GBTC for the crypto space. I've been getting out of that for the past week. And then I took the last amount off today. So going into this weekend, I have zero exposure. But the important question to me isn't the fact that these are breaking down. It is, what does this say about the crypto space in general? Is this the end of most cryptos except for Bitcoin? And what is Bitcoin going to look like if it heads to 4,000? And then if it can't hold the phase two line at 4,000? My uh, understanding of Hyperwave is the next stop is right around the $1,000 level. And with that, I'm going to stop screen share and go back to Tone. So Tone... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I actually got a couple of comments. Um, I don't mind you putting screen share back on Tyler, actually, uh, because I had I wanted to say something about GBTC. Uh, right. I to throw some questions at you, and also I wanted to comment. I did watch that show you did about uh, about the old coins, and I noticed that in a lot of these old coins, you were using Bitfinex uh, to show the history of their prices. And I know that the history of their prices goes back a lot further. What happens is when you use a more modern exchange, uh, it only gives you the price from the day the exchange started trading it. So um, I do recommend using Poloniex. And to be honest, even Poloniex doesn't have all the prices because Cryptsy is no longer with us. So in a lot of these cases, because crypto is such a weird environment, you don't actually have the entire price history you only have the price history of that exchange. And Bitfinex only picked up things like Litecoin and Ripple uh, very recently. I mean, Ripple has been around as long as like 2013, maybe even 2012, uh, but probably 2013. Actually, no, I think Ripple has been around since 2012. So was Litecoin was around in like 2012 as well, maybe even 2011. So they do have much longer history Great. that Bitfinex doesn't show. So you may want to take a look at those. That's a good point. Uh, at the same time, would you agree that probably we would find that over that period of time, they would all have been in what I call a phase one relative to this recent movement of the last year? In other words, fairly flat maybe, relative. Maybe a lot of them pumped in 2013 as well because Bitcoin pumped in 2013. Right. So, so it's possible uh, these old coins, uh, at least the ones that have been around since the early 2012 days, could be in a phase two still. Great. Uh, I'll take a look at that. Phase two line. So try to take a look at those Good. Um, on older exchanges. Uh, okay. So talking about... Uh, so. Well, well I, I can't really explain again. I'm, um, while I understand that you have to use GBTC uh, for your portfolios, that's a no brainer. Um, and uh, I would, I, I, let's just say I would not be charting anything on GBTC, uh, is my opinion. I would uh, pay very close attention to the ratio between GBTC and Bitcoin in order to better use entries and exits based on the ratio between the two. But I would actually be very careful about charting it. And um, on a, because on a long-term scale like this, 
GBTC and Bitcoin look almost nothing alike. Uh, so uh, that that's one reason. I wonder how it would look in log scale uh, because. Um, uh, but uh, but in any case, but I know you need to do hyperboles and linear scale. What I wanted to say specifically is, you said that GBTC has closed for the three day weekend, but Bitcoin has half a week to go, uh, three full days that uh, GBTC is not going to get. And as you know, uh, when markets are uh, when the traditional markets are closed on Fridays. The traders don't even trade the second half of Thursday. They're pretty much done. Right. So uh, it's safe to say that uh, GB the, that the candle on GBTC is half the half a week, while the while this week's candle on Bitcoin is a full week. So I actually think it's a bit unfair uh, to chart uh, to kind of have a a hard line of hyperwave on this candle because if bitcoin does have a full-blown rebound of three thousand dollars uh by uh, sunday uh, i wouldn't treat the close of this candle as a hard line i would actually in this case because the asset trades on the weekend uh the real the underlying asset trades on the weekend i would actually use the opening price on monday morning of gbtc as a proxy for the end of week close instead of actually using the week end of week close for your hyperwave models of assets that trade one way versus the underlying a different way. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're exactly correct. However, two things. One is um, if I were looking, if I was out of the market looking for a purchase, I would be doing two things on GBTC. Number one is exactly what you said, comparing the premium of GBTC to Bitcoin. And and, if, and, and, we, and we talked about that in full yeah, on a previous podcast. Yeah, exactly. And that's the single most important determinant for me to buy GBTC isn't what it's doing on a chart but what is it doing relative to Bitcoin premium versus discount? And I get excited whenever the premium is below 20, the average is about 40, and I get very nervous up around 60 or 70, regardless of what's going on with Bitcoin. Meaning if I'm not in GBTC and the premium is up around 60, even if you are getting uh, tremendous buys on the sequential, daily, weekly, even monthlies, I'm not going to buy GBTC with that premium. However, the inverse of that is that because I am so risk adverse that I will sell GBTC regardless of what a chart looks like, if the premium is getting too high relative to Bitcoin. So in this particular case, because, uh, and you're absolutely right, I would be thrilled if we see Bitcoin um, run. Yeah, sorry, I, I, I took over your screen share with uh, 
with the ratio between, oh, perfect. Uh, between GBTC and Bitcoin. Perfect. That, that, that's great. And you can, everybody can see what, where this premium gets at rare points. It will go to these extremes. And uh, for a very long period of time, leading right up through the last couple of weeks, we have maintained anywhere from a 35 to a 70% premium as Bitcoin has been dropping, GBTC has been dropping less. In other words, that premium has stayed uh, relatively high in this downturn that we've had, uh, certainly since last December, but more importantly, since we ran up to 10,000, the area I call the Valley of Lost your mic, Tyler. Not sure why that happens. It's weird. Me neither. All right. Do you want uh, to throw a question your way in the meantime? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just show charts. I mean, Tyler and I went through this in detail. There was an episode of On the Record with Tyler Jenks. Please check that out in my uh, YouTube uh, playlist for On the Record. Um, oh, I forgot to give my... Typical disclaimer of learn trading stuff, but whatever. Um, uh, and the other chart that we talked about, we were drawing hyperwaves on uh, GBTC and Bitcoin. So this is actually Bitcoin divided by a thousand. I'm still not sure if I should be dividing it by a thousand or nine hundred and ten or eleven hundred because of the, I, I don't. I'm, I'm always too tired to do the actual math of which direction I need to take off the. Uh, the 2% per year uh, fee that uh, Barry Silbert gets for maintaining your uh, GBTC asset. But, uh, but yeah, this would have been the, the wave two line, the, the second uh, line, which has crossed all the way through, actually. Uh, oh, this would be interesting for Tyler to see uh, when he gets back here. This is very interesting. Um, very, very interesting. <laughs> um, sure, throw a question my way. We'll see what we got. Oh, wait, you know what? Uh, here is the latest chart of Bcash. Uh, by the only good news I have today, um, Bcash, uh, at one point about an hour ago, was lower than the price that I sold all of my Bcash at. Uh, so there you go. Uh, beautiful. I can't, it is almost getting to a nine and it's going to be a nine 13, uh, sometime, uh, on Saturday. So it'll probably bounce it back up, but I drew this arrow on B trash, uh, saying that it will go to a negative price. And those that are holding it will not just lose all of that money. They will actually, uh, it'll actually, uh, hurt them somehow. May, maybe they're all in debt, or at least I hope they are. So, um, so uh, Bcash is going down. Uh, Ethereum continues to go down. And unlike Tyler, I don't look at these things in terms of. Um, I don't look at these things in terms of U.S. dollar value. I only look at them in terms of Bitcoin value. Because I don't care that Ethereum is going down in price or going up in price. I only care whether my Bitcoin is outperforming all the Ethereum crazies and it continues to outperform on a weekly level. 
Uh, it's been outperforming it on a weekly level uh, since end of January. Ethereum has lost 50% in value in relation to Bitcoin, which is awesome. Uh, and here is the daily chart. Uh, the daily chart is on a nine. So unfortunately, there's a high probability that Ethereum is about to bounce versus Bitcoin. Uh, so if you're a trader, adjust accordingly. But on the weekly scale, you still have uh, two more horrendous weeks of downside uh, into a nine, though those weeks could be up weeks and still give you a nine. Um, all right, uh, Leah, oh, no, wait, 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 before questions, last thing. So everyone got upset on my recent video where I said that those holding Ethereum, I hope they lose all their money and their family's money. Uh, I got, uh, I'm being scolded for that quote all over Twitter. And here's my answer. It's amazing how a couple of words from a Bitcoin maximalist seem to really, really bother people while the actions of people investing in Ethereum don't seem to give them any problems. So think about that, you know, actions or words, which one is offensive and which one is problematic uh, versus, uh, you know, somebody just saying something. All right, questions, let's do it. I think this is why I have too much fun in the morning with you. <laughs> okay, Tone, how probable do you believe a 1.3K low for Bitcoin is as previously thought? Um, okay, so uh, here, oh, wow, we're just going down. Um, okay, so here, here is my view on things. At this point, now that we're in the six, $7,000 range, um, at this point, I'm trying to think of the easiest way to explain it, right? Uh, it was, it's, um, man, I don't have a sport with like a one, uh, I, okay, you, you, you know sports, Leah. Uh, what's a sport where you have like um, one dominant team or player, but not too dominant like the Yukon Huskies in women's uh, basketball? <laughs> One dominant team or player? Well, like like Tiger Woods was a perfect example, but not anymore, right? Okay. Like Roger, uh, like Nadal and Federer were sure, like. Sure, sure. Well, I don't know. Living in, uh, doing business school in Madrid, Ronaldo slays it for Real Madrid. But... Oh God, you're talking soccer. See, soccer is your thing. Wow, I'm too much of an American. All right, you know what? Um, okay, fine. Um, so European or World Cup soccer. Let's do World Cup soccer, right? So uh, World Cup's coming up, right? It is, it is. You're paying attention? Yeah, but let's go to American football. Let's go Americana then. Well, no, everyone watches World Cup, even like, uh, uh, I have a global audience here. So, right, um, so who, um, who, are, who do you think is going to win the World Cup? Man, I'm not sure. <laughs> All the teams I was hoping, at least just as an American, you know, we got kicked out. I, <laughs> I, I'm not, <laughs> All right. I'm not sure right now, actually. So um, remember how last year Spain won, right? Last year, last, last World Cup, Spain won, right? And they also lost their first game. So everyone is like, oh my God, because Spain was the betting favorite going into that tournament. And uh, Spain lost their very first game and then they didn't lose another game and then they won the whole thing. Do I have I think, that correct? I think Germany won. Then I'm thinking the time before that. Yes. Okay. Wow. Yeah. See, big. This is what Bitcoin did to me. I didn't even watch the World Cup last time. Uh, I think that was the year before. I definitely remember Italy winning the time before that. They beat France. Um, so, um, okay. So here's how it works. 
Uh, you have all of these possibilities. Bitcoin can rebound from any level between now and 1300. But at this point, I would give the highest probability to 1300. Now, the highest probability would probably be in the area of 20%. There is a 20% chance that we would rebound in the vicinity of 1300. And the next highest probability of a rebound of maybe 18%, I would give around $5,000. So, so you guys see how this works? Like, I'm not saying that we're definitely going to 1300, but I would give 1300 20%. I would give 5,000, uh, like 4950, 5000 area, like 18%. Uh, then I would go down to like 16, 17% for the $3,000 area. Then I would give like 15% chance that we would rebound, uh, you know, uh, above uh, like in the $4,500 area. So it's kind of like that. I will say that I have a tiny percentage, a tiny percentage that we would rebound in the 6,000, like almost zero. Like I would give it like a 2% chance that we... Uh, that Bitcoin would not go below uh, the prior low, right? Like, like, like I give it almost zero probability that we would rebound back to 20,000 without uh, going significantly lower than the $6,000 low. So, and this is hard to explain to people because when I say on somebody else's, you know, someone quotes me for like three minutes and says, hey, how low can we go? I mean, what am I going to say? I have to give the highest probability chance of where we can go. And that's 1300. Uh, it's kind of like when someone asks you, hey, who do you think is going to win the World Cup? You have to give them one number. You have to give them one answer. You have to give them one team. Brazil. Yeah, exactly. Right. Almost uh, people will almost always say Brazil. Yet Brazil almost never wins. Right. Because it's Brazil against the field. Um you're talking one team against the field. Like if you ask me who's going to win the Super Bowl, I'm always going to say the Patriots, right? Until Tom Brady retires. But it's Patriots against the field, and they didn't win this year, right? But uh, so that's kind of how it works. Uh, so, yeah, so my, my highest probability uh, is a 1,300, but it's only about 20%, but it's still the highest. Um, are we in touch with Tyler? Uh, this is longer than it usually takes to for him to get back here. Yeah, I'm, I'm texting with him. So throwing you more questions. Sure. Will Bitcoin be in a long bear market in your opinion, or will we go straight bull if, when we find the bottom? I don't know. And that's the thing. Nobody knows, right? I always talk about there's two ways. There, there is like markets will bottom in one of two ways, 95% of the time. One of them is a swift rebound, similar to what we saw um, on the, the, the week of February 5th, but it needed to be sustained and it wasn't sustained. Once it wasn't sustained and we got back to the $8,000 area, I knew we were done and I knew we were going to go significantly lower and everyone always disagrees with me. Uh, they disagreed with me and clearly I've been proven correct. Like uh, we, this could have been a rebound. This is a weekly candle that is ripe for a rebound. I really wanted to see this candle 
on a ninth week of downside, not the fifth week of downside. So again, uh, sure, at this point in time, I was, I, I was saying, you know, we should go lower. We should go lower. Maybe if we did go down further into the $4,000 range and then had this reversal candlestick, you know, a month later, we could have been all, we could have been on a move to 20,000 by now. But we rebounded early. The rebound did not have the, you know, did not have the legs. And now we need to do it all over again. And if we do it all over again, it needs to be uh, at a significantly lower level. Now, uh, by percentage, significantly lower by percentage, right? Because uh, we can't go lower in absolute terms because this bottom was already like a 60% correction, right? Otherwise, we go into the negative numbers. So by percentage, it needs to be significantly lower. What significantly? Well, I, I don't want to say because my significantly could be different than your significantly. But in any case, um, so one way it can bounce is like this. If this is how we bounce, then we're not going to have a multi-year bear market. If this is the kind of rebound we get a little further down the line, then we could be back to the you know eight, nine, ten thousand dollar area uh, by end of year, and then break into new highs mid next year. But the other way the markets bounce is kind of like what we had for nine months back in 2015. Um, we did have capitulation in January, but then the market stayed flat um, for the next eight to nine months. And uh, th this is what made Bitcoin insanely hard to trade throughout the entire 2015 period, uh, mostly because it had capitulation for a swift rebound and then it did nothing for nine months. Uh, and people kind of gave up on Bitcoin. It actually bottomed in both ways. It's usually one or the other. It is very, it's rarely both, but it's one or the other 90% uh, of the time. Uh, so, and, and uh, I don't know which one it's going to be. Um, I, I don't assume it's going to be both. The markets don't really bottom in any other way. Uh, it, it, it either has to be all the way in the vicinity of 2000 for six to nine months. And then, yeah, uh, we will have a year and a half bear market, but I don't think so. It doesn't feel like that's going to be the fate of Bitcoin. I think it's going to be a swift recovery, exactly like the one we saw uh, a month and a half ago. Only the next time it happens, people are going to remember what happened in early February, and they're not going to believe that the next time an identical situation happens, it's actually going to be sustained to the upside. And as long as people remain skeptical of it being sustained back to the upside, it will be sustained back to the upside. Uh, because I was a little skeptical of that bounce of 6,000. And I always said, I'm not sure if it's a true bounce. I'm not sure if it's a true bounce. I was skeptical. And I was very skeptical of the bounce a few day, uh, a few weeks ago. I thought that was just bullshit. And uh, so, yeah. So it, again, it's a long-winded answer because I'm not a psychic. Okay. Uh, I would be blind not to see all the millions of comments from you guys about the P3D coin. So um, before I send that to Tone, Tone, given just what you guys were discussing before Tyler signed off there for GBTC, 
Do you think that the holiday tomorrow will affect the price of Bitcoin? Is a question from the live chat. No, I don't. Uh, I mean, can we bandle? I, I, I mean, like, I usually don't mention uh, uh, scam coins uh, if I don't actually know what they are uh, because I assume they're all scam coins and I will be right 99% of the time. So I, you might as well assume it's a scam coin. Um, I don't know what uh, what that coin is, but I'm going to start banning all these people. It'd be quite a lot. Um, let's see. So I guess the only main last question I've been noticing, guys, please, and ladies, please send through more questions. Tone, do you see a potential momentary bounce in an intraday? Uh, no, uh, I don't see it. It can happen, but I don't see it, right? Because uh, here's my daily candle and my daily candle is on a seven of nine that just started. Now I know we already lost a lot uh, on this current daily candle and the day is only one hour out of 24 hours deep. So, um, I, I mean, look, we have so much time to go lower bounce all the way for a green candle and then still close the day at the lows of the day, right? Uh, I mean, we're one hour into the day. I'll be asleep for hopefully at least five hours of this candle and um, uh, anything can happen, but uh, nothing. If this was an eight candle, if it was a nine candle, then maybe I would be more optimistic, uh, but I see nothing on the daily and the 12 hour, um, is this the 12 hour or the one hour? See, the one hour doesn't really matter when it comes to a day all that much. Um, uh, the four hour, uh, again, your day will be half over. So at least the four hour is going to be at a nine in 12 hours. And the 12 hour is uh, only on a three. So uh, I don't really see it, uh, though, you know, things do regress back to the mean. Uh, so it's very, very possible that there could be an intraday bounce uh, sometime in the middle of the night here in the U.S. Uh, but nothing in the charts is suggesting that there will be. Uh, so uh, I can't assume that there will be. Okay, non-chart questions. How much do you think the difficulty of tracking trades for taxes is playing a role in the downturn? I think a lot of people don't want hassles, the question. Uh, that's actually a very interesting question. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think taxes matter all that much. And here's why I think, um, the majority of the sites that actually, uh, trade Bitcoin, like, look, um, Bitmax is Bitcoin to Bitcoin, right? There's no Bitcoin being sold for fiat. Uh, BitMax is a zero-sum game with people trading Bitcoin for Bitcoin. And he, so even though a lot of volume is happening on BitMax, I don't believe BitMax drives the price of Bitcoin. They're a derivative. It, it, BitMax uh, gets driven off of the price of Bitcoin. So now we're talking about exchanges. And almost all of these exchanges that have the real volume of Bitcoin to fiat they're all KYC exchange. So if you're a KYC exchange, 
uh, they're supposed to give you a breakdown for your taxes. And if they don't, you need to harass that exchange to give you a breakdown. You shouldn't have to do the math. The exchange should have that done for you. They should just give you a report of how much you made or lose. So I actually don't think it matters. Uh, it matters for people using local Bitcoins. It matters like, like taxes, uh, like avoiding the hassle. You go use local Bitcoins. Yeah, you go and use you know derivatives exchanges. Uh, you, but um, but I don't I don't think taxes have anything to do with this. And uh, and, uh, and and also just because tax day in the U.S. is April 14th, that's irrelevant, right? Your taxes. This should have uh, been present in late December because what you do now with your Bitcoin is irrelevant to when your taxes are due. So. Um, Interesting tone. Oh, oh, shoot. My bad. Tyler is in Tyler, here. I have, to, yep. I have to add him in. That's my, my fault. Sorry, Tyler. Um, it's the thing because I'm streaming to YouTube. That was totally my bad. Um, uh, I have to um, actually move him. Um, totally my bad on that one. Uh, here we go. Hey, yeah, no, that was my fault. I forgot. I, I always remember in the beginning of the show that uh, because uh, Zoom is, uh, it's not weird, but like in order to stream directly to YouTube with Zoom, uh, people can't just immediately jump into a stream. They have to be let in by the host. So that was totally my bad on that. No problem. I got to listen to everything. So I, I was actually in the meeting. I just couldn't contribute, but right. I, got, I got to hear. Uh, so any any comments on anything I've said so far? Well, no, unfortunately not. I wish I could disagree with any of your conclusions. Uh, you, your target down at 1300, you had long before I uh, had even been talking about hyperwaves. So that has remained unchanged. Um, I don't have anything at that 1300 level because I jumped from right around 4,000 down to between 800 and 1,000 which is uh, the phase one line. Um, but to get there, you've got to go through 1300. So uh, I don't really see anything on the horizon except a huge surge over the next 72 hours. And uh, that could certainly happen, but that would be the only way that I would end up going into Monday bullish. Uh, yeah. and. Um... I mean, it's possible to have a huge surge um, over the last the next 72 hours because my daily is going to give me a sequential nine. Um, so it's possible to have a huge surge starting, uh, you know, uh, a little over 28 hours from now. And that will still give me a nine with an eight candle reversal because I always look for reversal candles on... Um, on number eight, number nine, or the following candle. Uh, and uh, uh, so, so that is possible. However, it would still be a counter trend rally, a counter trend uh, to the weekly bearish uh, based on sequential. And the weekly bearish remains king, even though we haven't had a weekly nine in, in a while. Last time we, last couple of times we were, we went weekly bearish on, on sequential and the time indicator. Uh, we did reverse prior to getting to a nine. So look, anything is possible, but statistically, uh, I'm pretty bearish. I don't want to see a 1300. I will give 
the second highest probability of a reverse, like I said, my, uh, I'd probably give the third highest probability of a reversal uh, in that, well, you said 4,900 yourself, right? Or you said 3,900. 3960 approximately. Um, I mean, I don't really have any support there. Um, I do have an old trend line, which you can see the little purple line. Uh, but uh, it was it was at 3900, you know, a few months ago. Uh, well, not a few months ago, actually, like about a month ago, uh, it was at 3900. So now it's actually, it'll probably be at 4900 by the time we get there. Uh, I don't really have any support in that $3,900 area, which actually in a way is a good thing, right? Because I know what is, so, look, I know what is support and I know what isn't support. So anything in between is fair game. I mean, I know that 6,000 is not support uh, because we just used it. Um, I know that 3,000 is not support. We already used it. Um, 5,000 uh, or a smidge under 5,000, I believe is still support, though uh, not as strong as 1,300, uh, but not as weak as six and three. So that means anything in the $4,000 area is completely neutral and fair game. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Hai Jin Lee has been looking very carefully at this gigantic triangle uh, and using Elliott Wave inside of it. And recently, the last uh, two or three days, he's been talking about a break of the big triangle as we've seen uh, today, uh, forming what he calls a bullish wick but this has gone far beyond what is normally a bullish wick or a bull or a bear trap outside of, uh, uh, of a formation. Now, if I'm really grasping at straws here, but one of the things that's happening is we're getting closer and closer to the apex of this triangle. If we were to get a 1500 point rally, in the next three days, uh, that would put us back above the phase three line and back into the triangle. Um, depending on how quickly that came off of the sequential, is there a possibility we could be early enough in the count going up off of the buy signal in the sequential that if uh, the first one or two candles put us back close or into that triangle, that there would be the possibility of getting back to the top of the triangle? Um, yeah, we can still do that in the next 72 hours, right? Because based on sequential, uh, 24 hours from now could be a, the bottoming candle. So Friday's candle, oh, sorry, this is the Friday's candle. Saturday's candle uh, could be a reversal candle setting us up for a good Saturday and a good Sunday, but it's not going to get us to the top of the triangle in the next 72 hours. It could set us up for a good week that can take us there, and that would be one hell of a bear trap. Um, but uh, again, the reason why they're called bull traps and bear traps is because 
the a huge majority of the traders get caught in them. Like we're talking 80 to 90% of the traders get caught in them. That's why they're known as bull traps and bear traps. Um, so yeah, it's possible that this could be a bear trap. But um, again, uh, to me, there was only one bull trap uh, since the 20, uh, since the 20 K high and it, and it got me, uh, I got caught in the bull trap. Uh, it got me. There was only one. Uh, I think the, all the other tops and highs, I warned people absolutely perfectly on every single rally since the bull trap. Uh, so, uh, uh, everything else I, and, and there it is, uh, that was, uh, the bull trap that, got me if only my sequential was three candles earlier i probably would have been okay on navigating this bull trap but it definitely got me uh, so i haven't seen any bear traps here uh at all uh everything played out uh the way it should have yeah. uh, other than maybe uh, i mean i was always looking for 7600 uh as a potential rebound but the sequential never went back to the upside. So I was always cautious and I was still looking into the bottom of the triangle. So I would say I have not been caught on any bear traps at any point going down. Uh, the only mistake that I feel I made um, since the top, well, I didn't call the top very well. In hindsight, I feel like an idiot because I should have called the top. Again, my sequential uh, didn't work out perfectly for me. Uh, it was a few days off. I would have called the top beautifully at like 22,000. Uh, the reason I say that I feel stupid for not being able to call the top is uh, we topped on the day the CME futures launched. And that is something uh, me as a 15-year experienced trader should have uh, projected better onto my followers that it's a pure sell the news event because it was no different than the like the ETF rejection, which I knew was going to be rejected, and it was no different than the having event. Uh, the CME launch was identical to both of those two events, and I uh, I I could not have uh, covered those events better for an entire month leading up to the event, including the day of the event, including the following weeks after the event. I, I navigated those events absolutely perfectly. And um, I, I, I feel a little disappointed in myself and not um, being more adamant that the data CME launch is a sell event. Uh, I thought that we would, could go up for at least another couple of days. I didn't actually think we would fall immediately after that day. I really thought that, uh, we still had a few more, at least a few more days, maybe a week for the hype of Wall Street uh, to go through the day of the launch. Uh, but it really bought, topped the day of the launch. It had nothing to do with the futures. It just had to do with the hype. Tone, let yeah. me ask, uh, Leah, just one other question along that line. Um, I remember clearly you in the fall of last year uh, as we went from 3,000 to 4,000 to 5,000, coming up with targets in the 7,500. And at one point you said, maybe you could get up to 8,000 or 9,000. And uh, a number of other systems were saying sort of similar things. And it was sort of at that point 
that weird things began to happen in hyperwave in terms of the size of the move above what the angle of what should have been a phase two or a phase three was taken. So if we can all agree that everything above something on the order of 7,500 all the way up to 20,000 was um, not only unexpected, but undeserved. Completely agree. So, uh, so, completely that, agree. so that as we drop down below 10,000, we get closer and closer to some figure that really is an equilibrium for all the fundamentals and the technicals involved with Bitcoin. So here's my question. We, we then got down to 8,000, then to 7,500. Now we're screwing around in the uh, lower areas after getting all the way down to 5,900 on the big sell-off. Isn't it possible that we have now overcompensated for that um, tremendous uh, undeserved outperformance? I don't think so. Um, I, I, I think uh, uh, I think going from the seventy five hundred to eight thousand dollar area all the way to twenty thousand is you know more than doubling of the price, and that tells me that the overshoot should probably be at least 50% lower than that $7,500 area. I mean, the higher we overshot in 2017, the more we're paying for it now. So yeah. I, I don't think that, I, I mean, look, even when we got to that $7,500 area, which I expected to be the top for a year, I was so sure that we were gonna at least test the $5,000 area and we didn't. We rebounded at 5,400. And uh, I mean, I do have a green line here where the sequential system said, hey, it's time to go back to your bullish trades. Even though I was a little bit skeptical, uh, my technicals told me to go back in. If I was actually trading this environment, I probably would not have gotten back into the market until 8,700, and here's why. Uh, I would have been uh, a little bit scared to jump in right here, uh, even though the 50-day moving average did rebound us and the setup trend line held, I would have just been a little bit nervous uh, going in here because I felt that we needed a bigger correction after such a rise. That, that means I would have missed this entire gigantic uh, day with a two on it. And if I would have missed this day, I would have been, okay, maybe I, I should have gone in. I'm stupid. I missed it. Okay, maybe I'll get lucky and the next day we'll pull back a little bit and then I can get in uh, a little bit later, still above the level I was supposed to get in at 68, but perhaps I can get in at like 7,000 again. And as you can see, the next day we went to new all-time highs. So now I'm like, well, I don't want to get in now because like, I don't believe in FOMO. Like I'm a, I'm, I'm a trader. I'm not a speculator. Like if I miss it, I miss it. You know, like I missed buying GBTC at $200 because I got greedy uh, with a $5 fill when I set my limits and I missed the run to 5,000. You know what? I missed it. I'm not going to chase an asset. I'll find another asset. 
Um, because I don't want to risk my principal, like you said on your video early this morning. And after I would have missed this day and this day by being on shore, the next one, two, three days were completely flat. And that now it puts me way too close to one of my nines. But because of this flattening, I know what happens to markets when they flatten at all time highs. It means they are about to break out with a vengeance. So even though I would have missed this entire dip, I would have been all in probably even on this one candle because based on traditional markets, anytime your market levels off at all time highs, it's gonna bust out. I would have been buying here and doubling down here uh, back in November at 8,500. Um, like once we got above like my all time, my expected all time high, especially in this form of flattening at the all time high, I would have been all in. And while I could have probably been, would have taken a little bit of a profit here, I would have been immediately back in at new all time highs at 12,000 and rode the sucker all the way up. In fact, I thought it was going to, I thought it had another week in it, uh, in which case I would not have gotten out at the top but I would have gotten out at the $17,000 mark, but I would have been all in for the second time at 12,000 after all in at 8,500. So that's how I would have uh, played that time. But I would have known that anything above 7,500 is just pure FOMO, uh, the fear of missing out. And the higher we go, the more we will pay for it on the uh, on the downside of 7500 yeah great explanation leah you've got some uh, other questions i think i do the weekly bitcoin stochastic and rsi are at levels not seen since 2015 thoughts let's take a look uh so i'm gonna do what i did yesterday and i'm gonna pull up the rsi and the macd uh independently without even looking at the price and uh, because I know what the price did uh, on those days. So I can just go ahead and draw my lines on the RSI. So let's take a look. Uh, you can see this, Tyler, right? Yeah, I sure can. All right. So let's drop this back. And um, all right. Nice. I get to catch this perfect top. Um, so because this is Bitstamp, I believe, um, so we are now, let me do this. We are now sitting at the very first tip of the RSI, looks like January of 2012. Uh, uh, the, on January 2012, uh, more than a year before I got involved in Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin was at around seven bucks. Um, uh, probably even lower than that actually. Uh, the price of Bitcoin could have been, or yeah, I think it was about five to seven dollars. Uh, now I'm actually curious. Um, whoa, uh, that's back here. Um, oh, that was a bit of a bubble. Hey, seven dollars. Wow, how about that? Wow, that's perfect. Whoa, you're too close to this stuff, Tom. I know. Oh, wow. $7 exactly. Wow. On January 9th, it was seven bucks. 
Uh, damn. Uh, that's a little scary, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's embarrassing. It, it is a little. Um, all right, so let, let, let's get back to this. Um, uh, so, uh, I mean, I'm not sure what this flat line actually means, but the last time we touched this line was September of 2015. And the price of Bitcoin in September of 2015 uh, was probably uh, around 400. That one I will check. Uh, so now we're talking uh, September of, oops. So the last time we touched that line was here, uh, right, September of 2015. And uh, nope, a little lower than that. We're, we're going up to 500 uh, in, into November. Yeah, so a few days later, it was 400. Yeah, so it was about 250. Um, that's a good sign, actually. Uh, a little lower. Uh, so we were about 250, not 400. And um, look, to be honest with you, I would love to see the weekly RSI go oversold. Uh, I would love to see the weekly RSI reset because look, the last time the weekly RSI reset was in January of 2012. Uh, that's when we crashed to 150. That was the capitulation day. So I don't mind. Uh, I really don't. Allow uh, the higher the price is when that happens, the better. But I have a feeling there's no way the RSI will go oversold uh, which, which again is a good thing, right? You want it to reset. Look, the last time we went oversold on the RSI, we haven't been back here. So this would be a good thing. I would love to see an oversold as long as the price stays above 1300. It needs to, the RSI needs to go below 30, go back above 30 and stay above 1300 on daily closing basis. Uh, and, and then we'll be good to go. And the closer we get to 1300, to be honest with you, I think the better off we'll be, uh, the more confident I'll be uh, in the rebound from this mess. So that's my view on the RSI. Uh, Tyler, you have anything to add? Well, why, um, why do you say that it doesn't go below 1300? Just assume for a second that uh, it does and drops to a thousand. What will happen is the RSI will reset. What happens between a thousand and thirteen hundred that you think would change the outcome of what would happen next? I think that if it's, uh, I, I think that if we. I mean, 1300 is my is on, on the closing basis, right? Um, now, as far as intraday is concerned, I still want to see us stay above a thousand. I mean, maybe if we fall a few bucks below a thousand, it's not the end of the world. My fear is that if Bitcoin does, it's it's like you say, Tyler. And oh, oh, speaking of which, this is interesting. Um, I can. Okay, I, I think people know what the hyperwave in NASDAQ looks like at this point. Um, I, I can probably pull it up. I don't have it. Uh, maybe we can flip screen share to you. And um, I'll, I'll tell you what scares me. Uh, if you if you want to do, let me stop my screen share. Yeah, I, I can pull it up. Yeah, pull up your hyperwave on NASDAQ. Okay.
And then we'll take a look at the MACD after this. Though the MACD, I don't really like care about it all that much. Um, no, I can't pull it up. I lost it. You lost it. Okay. Um, all right. Well, let me, uh, let me just pull up my NASDAQ real quick. I have a chart of the NASDAQ. Not in hyperwave form, but yeah, that's okay. We can draw them in very quickly. Uh, well, kind of. It's actually a NASDAQ chart I was using for something else, but I can always start a new one, right? Um, um, I have this NASDAQ composite. I wonder what that is. What is this? And I'll, I will open this one. I wonder if I've drawn hyperwave on this. Um, let me go to weekly. It'll probably be better. You guys have like three awesome questions afterwards as well. Oh yeah, so I've already did hyperwave on this. Okay, let me let me drop the sequential. Uh, it's not even. I'm not even sure. It, oh yeah, it is the right sequential. Uh, let me drop that. Uh, all right, so here's my hyperwave on Nasdaq. Uh, probably not the right one. Um, I'm going to redraw this. Uh, so this is the more recent hyperwave uh, because hyperwaves can repeat, as you said, right? Yeah. Right. So I'm going to, so first of all, here's what I'm going to do. So first of all, I'm going to drop the candles and I'm going to make it a line chart for visibility. You I'm also to, not. You need to screen share it. Oh, sorry. Am I not screen sharing? No. My bad. All right, so I'm also not going to make it blue. I'm going to make it, I don't know, purple maybe. Sure. Uh, so here's the weekly chart of the NASDAQ. So here are my hyperwave lines. I have uh, one, uh, two, and we're in phase three. But I am not, but I, but I started this hyperwave. I'm not sure what this is. I don't need that. Um, but I started this hyperwave, uh, you know, after the bubble. Right. If we redo this, uh, if we redo this, I'm gonna grab the red for one. Uh, so this is one, uh, something like that. Yeah. That's one. And now uh, I'm gonna grab the blue. This is two. So the entire bubble yeah. is in phase two. Right. And oh, a little too much uh, to here. Now this would be phase three. Correct. Uh, just that a little bit. And now we're in phase four, the final step. Right. Okay. So, um, okay. So now of course, the only reason why this is phase two is because, let me do this uh, and do this, make it a little bit bigger uh, and we don't need the, those guys. There we go, this is much cleaner. Now, normally I like to draw my lines very, very thick, but this is good, right? So, uh, you know, something like that. I wanna try to get like, you know, both of these points maybe, or well, whatever, right? Uh, close enough. Uh, this is also weekly close. They're, uh, I, they're not candles, so intra, Intra week, it could have been better. If I go back to candlesticks, uh, it could be a little cleaner, but um, 
yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll use candlesticks. So here's, here's my worry. And it's not a worry for the stock market. Uh, by the way, I'm more bullish the NASDAQ than you are. I think we're going to stay in uh, wave four of hyperwave of the NASDAQ. I'm, I'm not scared of the stock market. And, uh, uh, I, I, I think um, I'm more bearish than you on Bitcoin and you're more bearish than me on the NASDAQ. Um, okay, how, how, what's the best way to explain it? So the only reason why, uh, I mean, obviously there was a hyperwave here and then we did the full shebang. Right. And because the full shebang uh, gave us a brand new uh, wave two, we're now in a bigger hyperwave. Right. So my, and I also remember in our first uh, podcast together, you said that uh, most hyperwaves, when they go below and don't uh, back to below phase one line, they never come back. Right. Which is what happened to almost every single company uh, during the 1929 crash, but companies like IBM were able to stick around because they never crashed below their phase one. Exactly. So what worries me is that if we go below a thousand, uh, it would feel like we go below phase one. And I have a feeling that if Bitcoin goes back to that, you know, three, $400 per Bitcoin level, it may never come back above a thousand. Wow. That's very interesting, and uh, that's that's a uh, that's terrific insight. Um, the one thing ab about that's that's a very good point because in the examples I can quickly go through in my head where you get a repetition or a fractal relationship like we're looking at here. What we've begun since the 80, uh, since the uh, 2000 peak in the NASDAQ, that whole hyperwave, which was enormous at the time, that was the dot-com bubble, um, that was only a fractal of what was to come and we are now in. And we can already see that we're quickly going much higher than that point. Um, since I've never really seen this before, where you get a fractal like we've got in Bitcoin twice from 2009 through uh, last year, there were two small fractal um, hyperwaves that did not go all the way back to their phase lines and phase one lines. And in each case, they were followed by another hyperwave. And the one that we are in now and look looks like we are ending um, is actually the third hyperwave in a 10-year period. So what you just pointed out about the NASDAQ and its inability to get back to its phase one line or its ability not to do that is what set up what we are now in, which is an even bigger one. So your point that if we could hold the 1300 level on Bitcoin coming down, 
that that gives us enough of a spread above the old phase one line that we could set ourselves up to go right into the building of even a bigger hyperwave. And I cannot come up with examples where that's not true. So that, that's a terrific point. Now, uh, I'm not exactly sure where your phase one on Bitcoin is. I'm pretty sure your phase one is significantly lower than 1300. Yes, but, it is. But the thing is, um, I, I don't know, like I think one of the biggest things that didn't really scare too many people is even though the NASDAQ was, you know, crashing by 80, 90%, um, people were getting, starting to get into cell phones. People were, internet usage was like rampantly increasing. And I honestly don't see that with a Bitcoin. I don't see usage of Bitcoin greatly increasing. Now, lightning is coming. So it could do this, right? Um, so I, I do expect it, but I don't know, maybe I'm, a, I'm still a little worried. I mean, the underlying technology of Bitcoin is significantly more fragile than, this, than the underlying technology of the internet. Uh, because I, I think that uh, the underlying technology of Bitcoin poses way more fear in the eyes of the government than the underlying technology of the internet did. Uh, even though they both should have posed fear because, you know, it's harder to control information uh, with the internet coming in to its age, basically. But now you can't, it's harder to control money with a Bitcoin coming into its age. Like, I don't care about any of the old coins. I mean, they're irrelevant to me. I mean, uh, they can die and they probably will die. But uh, uh, so I'm still. But, but, still think, think. but think of it this way, maybe. Um, it appears to me that if we are going down to 5,000 or 4,000 or maybe 1,300, that the vast majority of cryptocurrencies are going to go belly up. And it could happen in a very short time period. And the longer we stay down there, I don't see anything moving counter to the down move in Bitcoin. Yeah, on a relative basis, a couple of them get a pop for a week or two, but that's not what I mean. I mean, the absolute direction of all of them is from higher levels to much lower levels in a very quick fashion. So... I agree with what you're saying about the pervasiveness of the internet and the usage of the internet, but there's only one internet. There's not 2000 of them like there are cryptocurrencies. Well, uh, but again, but uh, uh, this is why I don't care about uh, alternatives to Bitcoin. To me, there's only one blockchain and that's Bitcoin. Everything else is just noise. But if you have 40% of the capital in that one thing and 60% spread out. And that reverses to back to where it should be 99% in Bitcoin and no more questions about ICOs, no more questions about regulation. Um, I could see the usage 
going up exponentially. No, no, and, and, and I agree with you, but unlike the internet, right? Like even though the NASDAQ was continued to crash from 2000 into 2002 or three, whenever it bottomed, uh, I think yeah. it was- uh, March, I, I think of, was, March of 2003. March of 03, yeah, I knew it was in that vicinity. Um, uh, see, even though the companies were crashing, People were still starting, people, more and more people started using the internet because they were not financially affected by the NASDAQ crash in them getting into the internet. This is significantly different than getting into Bitcoin, unlike getting into the internet, getting into Bitcoin during a bear market will actually cost you money, unlike getting into the internet in a bear market, right? Um, so... Um, I, this is the, I mean, like, I don't want to scare our 1500 viewers that are watching this now and more. This is why I do not expect us, by the way, this is why I do not expect us to go below 1300. And this is why I am not scared nor nervous about Bitcoin, unless we are below that 1300 level, because we could reach that point where the mining infrastructure, uh, is decimated. Uh, because then I don't know what is or isn't profitable for a miner today, but I know it's not 500 bucks, uh, a coin, <laughs> um, right. especially with the having coming in. Right. Right. Um, well, I like people say it's 8,000 people say it's 5,000. I have no idea. I just know that at $500 a coin with the having, you know, near, uh, it's definitely not profitable. Now, if I can get my damn miner running, I will continue to mine. Uh, so maybe this is one way to decentralize mining, but uh, if Bitcoin does go below two, 300 bucks, uh, why would I still be mining? Like I would probably give up. And so would a lot of people, a lot, like, like there is a point of no return here, right? Like, uh, like with tulips. And then we could all, you, you know, have to, you know, like walk away with our tail between our legs thinking that this Bitcoin thing was going to change something. Now, I do not expect this to happen. Uh, but this, but you asked me the question why I, I'm so um, high on this $1,300, $1,300 number is because I don't ever expect prices. When prices have more than double the prior critical bubble top, I never expect them to go lower. Uh, then the prior, like, for example, here's the NASDAQ, right? Just think about it. I'm going to draw my line back up because now I think I know why it's there. Now, the NASDAQ initially topped, you know, right there. Now, I knew the NASDAQ was going to be in for a monster rally because once we made it back to the top, we got stuck there for a while. And according to my rules, there's no such thing as a double top. So once this double top came, and you, and you had the situation, I was not scared at all. We were going higher, that's for damn sure. And I was already in crypto in this time and I was bullish the stock market like crazy. Um, so now imagine a situation, I'm gonna do one of these. Imagine a situation where we more than double the value of the NASDAQ and now uh, a crash comes. I mean, a 50% crash takes us back down to the $5,000 level from 10,000 on the NASDAQ, right? So if, if we more than double the prior high, 
upon any crash, I would not expect it to go under um, this orange line because that might be a point of no return. Now, if we just double and then we fall back to the orange line, that's one thing. Now, imagine if the NASDAQ doesn't just double the prior high, goes 10 times the prior high, or in the case of Bitcoin, 17 times the prior high. Can you imagine a NASDAQ crash taking you back down below this orange line? I mean, that probably means the end of the U.S. Right. The end of the, uh, of the U.S. currency. Uh, it's the only thing that I can think of that can possibly do that. Now, right now, or even if the NASDAQ goes up to 10K, um, you know, with the Trump administration and then some communist gets in there, you know, I can see it going back down to the $5,000 level in a 50% market correction, market crash, and that's fine. And then we can bounce off of this yellow line in the NASDAQ when the communist gets out of office, hopefully, unless it's a real communist that like China or Russia. Um, and then we can go back up, get stuck at the new high again and go back up. Uh, again, under the assumption that the U.S. currency continues to be the superpower into the mid 21st century. Well, um, if, if you notice, if you extend that phase three line, you've got this one. Yeah. If you extend that line, then uh, what you just said is similar to what we're talking about with Bitcoin. If you now double the NASDAQ from 5,000 to 10,000 and pull back to that trend line, that's a huge drop, but it's still holding that trend line. And one of the things that the phase three in Bitcoin has been struggling with is to keep the price above that line. Um, and in the case of the NASDAQ here, if you break that line too much, then you're uh, probably going to break the uh, orange line. And then where are you? All, going all the way back down to the beginning, probably. So, right. But, but then at least you have a phase two line there. That's right. Right. Which, which but, we, but with we, Bitcoin, we're already breaking phase three, going down to phase two. So, so basically, um, if, I, if I do like a hypothetical, let's say, right, in a hypothetical situation, let's assume the NASDAQ never made it to 5,000. Let's yeah. assume the NASDAQ topped out at 3,000 and, we, and you know, we fell from 3,000 down. And let's also assume a slightly steeper you know, phase two line. Okay. okay. Again, it's a hypothetical example. Right. right? And now a slightly steeper, oops, a slightly steeper phase two line. Oh, damn it. All right, let me get that out of the way. A slightly steeper phase two line, something like this, would right. now come and meet, um, you know, the prior high. Right. And now this is where the problem sets in, right? Uh, imagine everything else being equal except we didn't go as high in the NASDAQ, only to 3,000, and the phase two was slightly steeper, right? Yeah. Now uh, we go from 3,000 up to 10,000. Now that's a tripling. 
Now we're falling from this tripling below the phase three and approaching phase two that is meeting us at that prior double top. You right. go below that double top, you're in severe danger of going below phase one. Yes. Okay. And that's usually point, like you said in our first interview, that tends to be a point of no return. Right. Right. And, and that's what kind of scares me uh, in Bitcoin, but I'm not going to entertain that fear until after I see multiple closes below the 2013 high, gotcha. which we need to stay above at this point, in my opinion. Yeah, that's, that's uh, a very well put. I can't disagree with that at all. All right. Now, I know we're giving gloom and doom scenarios here, which is kind of ironic because the people that are mad at, that, that are like mad would be mad the most over us hypothesizing over this are like the gold bug people uh, who all they talk about all day long is gloom and doom of the stock market. Right. Uh, which is which is what I find like like really ironic. It's like uh, also notice how you're seeing conspiracy theories of uh, Bitcoin uh, like some kind of Bitcoin cartels are crashing the price of Bitcoin, and it's all a conspiracy uh, that Bitcoin, like, you know, uh, again, it's a conspiracy that holds down gold price, and it's the same conspiracy that holds down uh, the price of Bitcoin, yet it's also a conspiracy to have the stock market go up. Uh, yet when Bitcoin goes up or gold goes up, that's normal, and when the stock market uh, goes up, that's manipulation. Uh, but when it's the other, uh, you know, but when the stock market goes down, that they, they, everyone seems to be happy for some reason. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. Funny world. Yeah. And also, here's another one. I've been saying this one forever. Well, when Bitcoin was up, uh, the moment Bitcoin you know, broke 5,000, um, all I ever heard was, if only it was a 3,000 again. And then it broke 10,000. And all I heard was, if only Bitcoin was 5,000 again, uh, I would buy all the Bitcoin I can. And I told these people, no, you won't. And I'll tell you why you won't. Because if it goes back to 5,000 uh, in a week from 10,000, you're going to be scared shitless and you ain't buying it at 5,000. The reason why you would sell your house and buy it at 5,000 is because it's worth 10,000. You ain't, you ain't going to rush in there and buy it at 5,000 when it was 10,000 a few days ago. And now it's actually 5,000. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, we're 90 minutes in. Uh, I, I, I'm sure um, uh, we probably all want to call this a night, especially since I uh, have to fly again tomorrow to Vancouver. Uh, so I pretty much got nothing done today other than a failed attempt to set up a minor and a bunch of videos. Uh, Leah, how are you feeling? Doing good, doing good. Just being your time checker. Uh, we have like two good last questions, do you think? Right. Or That's you want to call two, it? Two, two good last questions. We'll try to keep them short. All right. From uh, one of my buddies from the trading seminar of yours. So right. Oh, this oh wait. So, so, so here's the good news. The good news is that we're rebounding on our daily candle. Uh, the bad news is that you still have 22 hours to go. Now, that could be good news. That could be more bad news. Again, it's a daily candle. It looks like a reversal candle with 22 hours to go. It means nothing. 
Sorry. Sorry to break it to you guys. Uh, you have 22 hours to go. Okay. <laughs> well, we shall see on that one. So this one's, this one's going to be fun. I'm interested in what you guys are going to say, throwing together some stuff. So with exchanges adding fiat to altcoin deposit withdrawals, what if, when altcoins dump, sellers take the cash out of the crypto market and don't go back into Bitcoin? As in the past, the alts kind of acted like out of money support levels and capital would flow back into Bitcoin after a dip without capital leaving the ecosystem. Do you think that this could prolong the bear market? I don't. Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, I really, uh, considering how the altcoins are being decimated even more than Bitcoin, uh, I, I, I don't. Uh, I don't really see. Um, I mean, most people that are buying into altcoins, uh, they're not really... I, I don't think most of them are coming in with their fiat buying altcoins. Uh, I, so, but even if they do, I mean, once you believe in altcoins and you buy it, I mean, it's uh, look, if money went into, if cash went into an altcoin and came out of an altcoin, it's irrelevant to Bitcoin uh, at all. It, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So we're talking, you know, cash went into Bitcoin, moved into an altcoin, uh, the altcoin has dumped that person taking the cash out and is not coming back into the crypto market. Well, then that person is just a bigger loser because he would have lost less money had he stayed in Bitcoin and then he would have sold the Bitcoin just as well. So I really don't see that being uh, any, uh, I don't see that having anything to do with the bear market trend. Uh, I, I would agree with that. One thing that I have observed that I cannot explain is um, most of last year, while Bitcoin was going up, what tended to happen was it would gain cap share. And when Bitcoin would correct, even for several days or weeks, um, the alts would do relatively better and sometimes absolutely better and gain cap share. And that continued all the way up to the peak or close to the peak, maybe right before the peak, it stopped after uh, Bitcash uh, came and uh, kind of blew itself up. But from that point on, uh, there has not been an inverse correlation. They tend, they being the altcoins and Bitcoin, tend to be moving in the same direction, both up and down. And um, that's one of the things I pointed out yesterday when looking at the 10 biggest altcoins, that uh, not only are they going down faster, but they're in more danger in terms of hyperwave theory because they're already breaking through a phase two, which uh, Bitcoin could drop all the way down to 4,000 and not do. Tone, uh, have you observed that at all? Um, sorry, Tyler, I kind of, I was reading the comments. I kind of tuned out a little bit. Uh, so can yeah. you just like repeat your question real quick? Yeah, just the fact that up until December, there was an inverse correlation between altcoins 
uh, absolute price movement and Bitcoins. Yeah. So okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. So it's the same view I have with the stock market. Um, like Bitcoin, uh, only like, I guess an inverse to what I say in the stock market, right? So I recently explained how Bitcoin has no correlation with the stock market unless there was like major extremes, you know, uh, they will both go up because they're both private assets and they'll both go down because they're both private assets. So the private assets, public assets dynamic affects all private assets uh, unanimously on large scales, but not on small scales. So the opposite is kind of true for the crypto space where uh, Bitcoin and altcoins are very uh, you know, negatively correlated in times of in, 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 in low volatility periods. Uh, so uh, unless you know Bitcoin is FOMOing up or crashing, uh, any uh, as long as you know we have an orderly market up or down, the altcoins will act inversely uh, to Bitcoin, kind of like the sector rotation, uh, you know, expertise that you have. But even with sector rotation, you know, all the sectors could be going down, like in the case of a crash. And all the sectors could be going up in the case of a boom. Um, uh, so it's the same dynamic, like the, the Bitcoin and crypto, it's sector rotation in orderly markets, but in huge bear and huge bull markets, uh, they, they are pretty much correlated. Yeah, that, that's good. I, I agree. Okay, then. Well, I think it's, it's 10. Well, actually, it's 1015. Um, and I think we're good for now, unless there's final statements you guys want to no, make. No, that's it. I mean, just the final statement that the person just asked the question after not listening to what I said, they pointed to some medium article about the fourth dimension of something uh, with, you know, a cartel uh, between, you know, banks and God knows what else is in there, you know, conspiracy theories uh, to, um, uh, to push the Bitcoin price lower. And I am not even going to open that article. It is completely ridiculous. I don't believe in cartels. I don't believe in these kinds of conspiracies. Bitcoin went up too much. Bitcoin will probably go down too much. Um, and back to the article by George Salmon that I keep referencing. Um, I believe that with the last 48 hours, we have gone from the depression stage uh, to the panic page, uh, to the panic stage. We'll see how long panic lasts before capitulation. Uh, I don't feel capitulation yet. I think we're somewhere between depression and panic. We still have capitulation to go, and then there will be... Uh, uh, I don't even know what despondency means. Uh, English speakers? Yeah, despondent. <laughs> despondent just means giving up and throwing your hands up. Right. So, loss of hope. Right. Like, it's really unfortunate now that I look at this thing. I really kind of wanted panic, capitulation, and despondency to be like one point. Um, the fact that it's three different points like actually scares me a little. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of weird that the pressure is already on the way up. Uh, uh, so, uh, but basically I could be wrong here. It, this does not feel like capitulation and here's why. And again, uh, like I said, in the beginning of this episode, there's not going to be any good news, 
in this episode because guess what? Now that we're back in the vicinity of February lows, when we actually get capitulation, I'm expecting higher volume. So even if we rebound from anywhere above uh, 5,000 and lower volume than what we saw uh, in this vicinity of early February, and you know it's probably not fair to use uh, only one exchange's volume like Bitfinex, it has to be global volume. So if anyone has like really good clean stats on global volume across the top, you know, five, 10 exchanges, that's what you want to use. And that global volume at capitulation has to be higher because this clearly is not capitulation because if we go lower and I'm expecting us to go lower. So the volume I would expect to be higher. It doesn't have to be, but I'm expecting it to be higher. This is why I feel we are only going into the panic stage and capitulation is yet to come. And then apparently there is a lower low, uh, which, um, but uh, despondency last time was, you know, eight months of nothing uh, after the capitulation. So capitulation gave us the low in January, 2015. And the despondency period uh, led into the depression period because there was a second smaller capitulation. So it wasn't really capitulation. Um, like uh, the despondency period lasted the first six months of, uh, of January. And then the depression period was like the next three to four months with another you know, low below 200 coming in in August uh, before finally starting to go up. Uh, so uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I see it going forward. Just real briefly, um, there's a thing called blood in the streets and very, very smart investors know that's where you do your buying. Um, very, very smart investors going into the 1929 to 1937 depression knew that they needed to take money off the table and they did not care that the last 10% up somebody else would make. Um, it's the hardest thing about investing. But as you get down to whatever level, below desperation, below, below panic, at capitulation, despondency and depression means no one's doing anything. They, no one cares. They're so beat up. They're not thinking about buying. They're thinking about other things. You need to be in that period. Because once you start getting back up to hope and relief and optimism, you're chasing the next bull market. So uh, with all the negative stuff we talked about tonight, and I think it was very important, and I think there were some very in important points made that people need to consider about what the near-term future could very well hold. Um, this is the time uh, to be sitting up and paying attention. Uh, this is where the opportunity comes from. Absolutely. All right. Well, <laughs> I guess just ending it off. It's a good thing that we have your chart up here, Tone. Um, you know, hopefully, if you 
keep showing this chart that we can protect everybody from negative consequences of the impulses and rationally. I, I, I just want people to be mentally ready more than anything. Um, I mean, look, I, I, I was, I sat through the 2014, 15 bear market. Uh, if you haven't, this is, this will be a very good experience for you. Emotional roller coaster. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody. Thanks for watching Tyler tone. Hey, where can people find you guys? We, uh, some people have been asking in the group chat. Tyler. Um, we can be found at, uh, lucid totality, uh, on Twitter at, uh, the hyperwave channel on YouTube. And, uh, Leah has just put together, uh, a, uh, uh, website that uh, we are finishing up and you will be able to get a lot of information there in the next week or two. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Tyler. Are you pulling up to? Yeah, I'm pulling up your YouTube channel. So the YouTube channel is Hyperwave. Uh, hopefully in the next five minutes, you'll break 4,000 subscribers. Um, I, I have a feeling there is at least uh, 16 people that are currently watching this live. <laughs> that are have not subscribed to you yet uh we still have 1400 live viewers uh wow but um uh yeah so that number should go up hopefully we'll break you guys uh, past 4000 but uh hey guys thanks for watching and of course uh on twitter um are you guys uh <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's great um <laughs> So uh, here is Tyler's, uh, well, on Twitter, just look at my Twitter because I tag you guys. Uh, here's uh, Tyler Jenks on Twitter, Lucid Investment, of course. <laughs> I should, should have just typed L. And uh, here's Leah, uh, Leah's Twitter as well. Uh, Great. Uh, Thank you, Tom. And, uh, thanks, guys. And uh, I, I didn't really talk about my website, my uh, trading seminar, uh, will take place this Saturday in uh, Vancouver. Still got a bunch of space left. Maybe not this much space left, but still space left in Vancouver. I know it's a holiday weekend. Uh, after that, San Francisco, Austin, Toronto, and Miami on five Saturdays in a row. And finally, if you like my work and uh, if you like this channel and like to continue to support my work, uh, the easiest way to do that is to use the affiliates and referral section of my website. Also, thank you to the bad virus uh, for your donation in the live chat. Thank you for that. All right, guys, on this note, it's time for us to sleep. Uh, we will wave our goodbyes because you should be able to see all of us and I will cut the live stream. Uh, see you guys tomorrow, in the morning. Are we doing a show tomorrow? We are, right? Absolutely. Oh, God. <laughs> all right. I see you guys bright and early. Um, let's hope Bitcoin bounces. I want to be wrong here. I really do. Bye, guys.